Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Bridge. We see the structure of a bridge as a metaphor that describes various foundational key points we can learn from to strengthen our faith, as well as increase the vision for the call of God in our lives. Also, we'd love to hear how God is bridging your faith. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon. Turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. I believe that. I believe you're in the right place at the right time right now. And we're just glad you're here. We're just a bunch of people that just love Jesus. Uh, this morning we are, or this uh, today we are on our last uh, message on this series, The Bridge. And, of course, for some of you that have been uh, a part of the church here and were in our conference at the end of July, we carried on that theme from the conference into our, our, our church here uh, for the rest of this month. And so we're looking forward uh, to what the Lord has done through this series. Next, next month, we're going to start a new series on prayer. Is that all right? And we're just going to talk about the power of prayer. We're going to talk about Jesus' example on prayer. A lot of people say, oh, how boring. It's not boring. Let me just tell you, uh, there, prayer changes things. And prayer will change your life. In fact, the reason why you're here, because you are an answer to prayer. Someone prayed for you, and that's why you're here. And so uh, I, I believe it's going to be a tremendous series. In fact, uh, as we were talking about that, uh, our all of our churches here in the city of Paramount, there are many different denominations, different pastors that I get together with every couple months, and uh, we do pray together, and we decided together as the churches in Paramount, we're all going to be on the same series. And so every church in Paramount, we're going to talk about prayer. And in fact, that's why we're having a prayer breakfast on September 7th. We're going to launch the prayer series. That's why uh, we want to invite you guys. And again, the cost is $15, as uh, Pastor Rudy declared, but we're only charging 7 because we want to get as many as we can there on a Saturday morning. And we're going to have city officials there. Uh, the reason why this city, believe it or not, this city is very prosperous right now. And it has been, even during the recession, uh, this city survived. This city did really well. It had $15 million in the bank during the recession. And uh, that's why the city's never suffered. But I believe the key has been prayer. I believe the key has been prayer. Uh, if any of you guys know anything about the city of Paramount, in the 80s, it was listed as the third worst city in America. And uh, God changed things around as people begin to pray, as churches begin to get together. And today, the businesses, the school district, and the churches, uh, we come together and we pray. And uh, they allow us to have a voice even on the city platform. So it's amazing. Every city council meeting is opened in prayer. Uh, a lot of the uh, Chamber of Commerce state of the city address is opened in prayer. Uh, and I believe that's the key to any city. Prayer changes things. I just thought I'd tell you that. I don't know why, but I just thought I'd say that. Uh, but as we get into this message here, again, being the last message, uh, uh, a bridge, most of you uh, have been hearing the last month or so that a bridge is the physical uh, structure that spans some kind of a gap or some kind of an obstacle, whether it's a uh, river or whether it's some type of uh, water or gap in a valley, this bridge is able to facilitate facilitate that to bring connection, 
to bring a place of transition from one place to another. Also, you and I can be a bridge uh, as individuals. We can be a bridge uh, of relationship from one person to another. We can be a bridge uh, to a group of people as we allow ourselves to be used to bring connection between people. And so this morning, I want to talk about the bridge, but I want to talk about it in a different way because I believe this morning, as we get into this message, how many know that a bridge actually solves the problem? It really does. When you have a problem, when there's a gap, you want to put a bridge there, and it solves that problem. And so I want to talk about how this bridge solved the problem and how we need to be passionate about building something that solves problems in our lives. Because with the help of God, we can solve anything. Hallelujah. And so this morning, as I minister, I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, I want to just share something with you because I think many times when when we're sitting in a room like this, we, we, we're not totally giving our full attention. Are, are you ready for this? The loudest voice in this room is not me. The loudest voice in this room is you. Now, I want you to understand this. This is actually true psychologically, and they've done this, that when you talk to yourself, because you do, when somebody talks to you, you're processing what they're saying to you. And you're saying something like, oh, I don't know, this guy. And you're already talking to yourself. You're the, loudest, you're the loudest voice in the room. And they say that when you talk to yourself uh, or when you talk, when you hear a voice, that voice, we could talk about 300 words a minute. But when you talk to yourself, you are saying 1,200 words a minute. So you're the loudest. You're talking to yourself more than I'm speaking right now. And so what happens is we become so loud that we don't hear the voice of God. And so I want us to not talk to ourselves so much. Just hear what what God may say to you through this message, not because I'm preaching it, because it's the word of God. Is that all right? So I'm going to pray that the Lord will help us today. Father, we thank you today for the word of God. I thank you for every person that is sitting in this building And, Lord, you know why they're here. You know what's going on in their lives. You know everything about them. So, Holy Spirit, through the word of God, that you'll minister to them where they're at. Because your word is powerful. Your word is relevant. Even in 2019, it is not outdated. It applies to every area of our lives. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll speak to the situation and the circumstance that people are in right now that the word of God would just begin to be revealed to them today. I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare the word that your people will hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And the people said, amen. Amen. And so today I want to look at the story of Nehemiah. How many have ever read the book of Nehemiah? Anybody ever read the book of, feel you here, honest hearts. And so it's a great book. Don't read it now because I'm preaching. Read it in your own time. Um, But I would recommend to read the book of Nehemiah because it really gives us an illustration of what one person can do when they're passionate for God. Talk about an unqualified guy to do the job that he did. And I'll share the story with you in just a moment. But this guy was completely unqualified. He was out of his field. He was way above his head or way above, uh, you know, who he was. And yet somehow, because he became passionate about this, about this particular wall, because the Bible said this guy was a cupbearer, and I'll get a little bit more into his occupation. He became very passionate 
about building a wall. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy in the news about a wall, but we're not talking about that wall. We're talking about a wall of protection during that time, and I'll get a little bit more about that. And it was a wall that really was going to solve not only a physical problem, but there's also a spiritual problem involved with that wall. And as we get into that, I'll show you that. And I'm going to show you how it relates to us as God's people. Because all of us in life are going to run to a number of problems. And we're going to have to find out what those problems are. We're going to have to be willing to define those problems. And Nehemiah was willing to address the problem. He was willing to define the problem. See, if you can't define the problem, I want you to know you'll never defeat the problem. You got to define it first. Most of the time, we're not willing to define it, and therefore, we can't defeat it. And Nehemiah, the moment he heard of the problem, something arose in him that said, man, I got to do something. And so let me give you a bit of background before we even read a few verses of Scripture. We're going to get into the Scripture, but I want to give you a bit of background before we even get into it. Way before Nehemiah ever came into the picture... In fact, 140 years prior to that, there was a king by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. He was an evil king. The Bible says, you can even read in history books, that that he came and attacked the people of Jerusalem. He was the Babylonian king. And he came into the city and destroyed the city. He destroyed the culture. He destroyed the lifestyle, the values, the spiritual life that was there. He destroyed the temple. And basically, the Babylonians took the Jewish people and brought them into captivity and basically crushed the spirits of the Jewish people. He demoralized them. He did everything that he could to destroy those people. And sometime later, 140 years later, uh, he decided, well, he was no longer in, uh, in, in obviously in office, but later on, they decided to let some of those Jewish people that had taken captive go back to Jerusalem. They could go back. To their city. But of course, once they get back to their city, the city is destroyed. I mean, there's no type of uh, infrastructure there. There's no government. There's no leadership that is there. The place is destroyed. And uh, they've been released to go back. And they go back there and they're trying to get something going. And they just can't get anything going. And so the Bible says they come back to back to Babylon or back to the, uh, where uh, Nehemiah is at, and Nehemiah begins to inquire. He begins to ask them, how is Jerusalem? Tell me about the city. Now, this guy is not a pastor. He's not a construction worker. He's not a prophet. He doesn't have this prime position, so to speak. He doesn't have any of those kind of experience. He's the cupbearer, and I'll tell you in a moment what, what his job was. And he hears what ha- what's happening, but something gets stirred inside of him that he needs to do something about it. And the Bible says that this guy is serving again, as a cupbearer. Now, what a cupbearer is, let me just tell you what a cupbearer is. He would bring the wine to the king. Now, some of you said, man, I like that job. Well, here's the problem. He would bring the wine to the king, but many times uh, the king, they wanted to kill the king, so what they would do is they would poison the wine. And so the cupbearer would always have to drink it first for the king. How would you like that job? Of course, you know, we went through a few cupbearers. <laughs> 
You can imagine, this could be it right here. This could be your last drink today, you know. And so that's what he did for a living. He drank a cup and, and made sure that it was safe, and then he gave it to the king. He was important. He had an important role in the kingdom, apparently. And that's all that he did. This was a Jewish man that was now in this uh, uh, Persian kingdom at that time. And now he's got to drink this cup. Uh, and uh, yet he begins to inquire about the state or the status of Jerusalem. And we pick up the story here in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse number 2. And it says, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some of the other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. So he's checking about how the people are doing there, how Jerusalem doing there. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are, are in great trouble and disgrace. That's the description that these guys give him. They're in great trouble, and it's a disgrace, baby. Basically, they're living in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down. What did he do? He began to weep. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. So the moment that he hears about the trouble, the moment that he hears about the disgrace, the Bible says he begins to pray and he begins to mourn before God. Now, the significance of the wall, the reason why the wall was so significant is the wall provided protection against the enemy. And so the, these guys are saying it's a disgrace. It, it's open to all the enemy. The enemies can come in and plunder any time they want. The, 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 the gates have been burned with fire. Uh, the culture there, basically the spirits of the people there, it's a disgrace. You know? And you get to know more and more as you go into chapter how disgraceful the situation is. And they begin to describe to him, man, uh, the enemy can come in any time they want. And you have to understand not only... Not only were the walls torn down, not only were the gates burned down, but also the temple had been destroyed. The spiritual climate of the people was low, with low morale. The identity of the people had been destroyed. He was saying basically our spiritual heritage has been destroyed, has been burned down. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah said, man, he mourns before God. He cries out to God because Nehemiah is saying, you know what? Somebody's got to do something about this. Might as well be me, right? It might as well be me. He said, man, I can't believe the status of what's going on. And I believe this morning, even as people, as individuals, there may be some problems in your life. There may be some walls that have been torn down in your own personal life. And sometimes we got to be willing to confront the problem. Are you hearing me? Lots of times the reason why we won't deal with the problem is we're not willing to confront it. You know what the word confront means? It means to be able to face a situation even if it makes you uncomfortable. Be willing to face a situation even when you're not comfortable with it. I understand confrontation because sometimes as a pastor, I have to confront people. Now, when I say that, a lot of people go, well, what do you do? What do you mean confront them? Well, what I'm doing 
is what happens is, let me just be honest, sometimes people come, they want advice, they want a little bit of counsel, and then and they start telling me the symptoms of the problem, but then I have to confront the real problem. That's the symptom. Let me just confront what the issue is. And then they go, oh, I don't want, I don't want to hear that. No, no. Let's, let's fix the symptom. No, no. Let's, let's confront the issues of why this is going on in your life. Let's talk about your selfishness. Let's talk about your pride. Are you hearing me? Let's talk about your addiction. Let's talk about some issues in your life that you need to correct. God will help you. See, we have to confront some things in order to fix some things. Are you guys are just as quiet as the first service was. Nine o'clock service, you guys were quiet too. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, you may be thinking, well, you know what? Uh, uh, I don't want to confront it. So what's going to happen is what happened in Jerusalem. For 140 years, nothing changed. The walls were torn down. The, the gates were burned down. See, if we're not careful, we get used to the same old thing, and it becomes your new normal. Because you're not willing to confront the problem. You're not willing to confront the issues. You're not willing to fix what's going on there. And no doubt, maybe you've even tried uh, to fix it. But I'm here to tell you, unless you confront it, you're never going to fix anything. Problem may be in your own marriage. Maybe you have a marital issue going on. And you may say, well, that's not no big deal. But I want you to know it's a big deal. Some of you may have a substance abuse problem. You say, man, I didn't, I didn't realize it was going to have so much control over my life. That's what happens. You got to confront it and fix it. Maybe some of you right now, you're dealing with depression. You need to reach out and have somebody pray for you. But see, we weren't willing to deal with the problem. You cannot defeat what you don't, def- what you don't define. Let me say it again. You cannot defeat what you, can, what you don't define. You have to define what is the issue here. Maybe you have a problem with anger. I said in the first service, you, got, you get so angry and so out, man, it, it becomes a, a, a rage in your life that you have no sense of reason. You get so mad, everything spilled, you're, you're like vomiting everywhere, just there. And, and sometimes you get so angry, it doesn't last an hour, it doesn't last, last a day, it could last weeks that you're so angry. I believe I'm speaking to somebody. See, don't let, calm down your voice. Your voice is getting loud right now. Calm down. Listen. Listen. It's speaking to you right now. I know that voice getting, oh, not me. Uh, you're starting to get mad already. <laughs> get mad at me already. I just started the sermon. I, I'm not even in the middle of it yet. Could be an alcohol problem. Wondering, man, why, why am I having this problem? Well, you're drinking too much. You're having all these issues going on, addiction, wrong relationships. All of these things could be a problem in your life. And it's amazing to me that God can really move us to one direction, but how quickly we can go right, go right back. Don't read this now, but when you get home in chapter 2, they talk about going back to rebuild the wall. And I'm going to go back. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But they go into rebuilding the wall, and the people are excited about rebuilding the wall. But here's the thing. Many of us, uh, we start the process of rebuilding our lives. But if we're not careful, we get tired and we go back to chapter 1. The walls are torn down again. See, in the things of God, we're supposed to be progressing, not digressing, right? We're supposed to be progressing. We're supposed to be going. But if we're not careful this morning, we're going, we get stuck in chapter 1. And we never move on to chapter 2. 
And God wants to get us from that place of chapter one into chapter two. God wants to heal your marriage. God wants to deliver you. God wants to set you free. Are you hearing me today? That's what God does. You got to be willing to turn the page. Sometimes you got to be willing to make a change. I tell people, you got you to make some changes. I confront people about those issues. You got to be willing to make a change in your life. If you're not willing to change, I want you to know nothing's going to change for you. It's going to be the same old thing. It's just you're going to be living the same old way. You say, well, man, I need to come to church more. Well, then start coming to church. I need to pray more. Well, start getting the word. Start praying. Do, do something because I know what happened. It's painful, man. It's hard. But if we're not, we're not careful. We, we end up in a trouble again, and our walls are broken down. Our lives are in ruin. And the largest and greatest problem in our life this morning is not allowing God to help us. So this is what he does. Uh, uh, write this down. Uh, he diligently seeks God. In verse number four, he says, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. For days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. Man, I love this. I mean, once he hears it, he doesn't try to fix the problem himself. He goes to God. If your problem isn't big enough for God to get involved, then you don't have a big problem. But I don't know about you. I need God's help in everything, man. I can't do it on my own. I've tried. How many have tried? And you just messed it up again. Oh, I'm, I got this. Like, you don't got nothing. You're going to mess it up again. You're going to be back right, right back where the walls are torn down. Go ahead. When are you finally going to surrender it to God? When are you finally going to seek God and say, God, I need your help. I, I need you to help me in this issue. Some of us this morning, you could be so bitter. I've met some bitter people in my life. Don't raise your hand, but I've met some bitter people in, their, in my life. They're so bitter, they're mad at everything. See, when you're bitter, everything's broken. You're looking through a broken glass. I can try to tell you what God can do. It's broken, man. They're so bitter. They're so mad. They're so angry. Somebody did them wrong. Somebody, you know, and I'm not here to belittle what the wrong that's been done to you and the hurt that's been done to you, but I'm going to be honest with you. You don't have a right to hold bitterness and unforgiveness. You say, well, wait a minute. How, how can you say that? I, I got hurt. I got men. They, I got betrayed. They did me wrong because Jesus was betrayed. And if Jesus can forgive as he's on the cross, said forgive them for they don't know what they do. If he can forgive, then you can forgive. I said, then you can forgive. I'll share the story. I didn't share it in the first service so some of you got to sleep and you get to hear this story okay <laughs> true story honestly uh, I had a friend that uh, was dating this girl this years ago and he was dating this girl and uh, he said that he was dating her but then he then he met another girl another girl on the other side of the block was much prettier and a lot better I guess and so and what I mean by that just a better person and uh, he said that he was with this girl that you know prior to that and and, but she was a lot of trouble. He said there was a, her family, just a lot of things. And again, he was just dating her. So he broke up with her and went with this new girl. Now, I'm not saying for you guys to do all that, okay? I'm just telling you what 
happened. It was in his young days, high school, and this is what happened. And uh, well, he was out of high school. She was still in high school. But anyway, he broke up with this girl. True story. I don't even know who's listening to it. I won't name the names to protect the innocent, okay? And so, uh, true story, though. And uh, he, he was dating this girl, broke up with her, went with this other girl, was dating her, and everything to be, seemed to be fine for a couple of months. But the girl that he broke up with was mad. She was basically uh, felt, uh, what was it, disdain or disrespected. Uh, and she felt like, man, you did me wrong. She was mad. She was bitter. And she didn't, she didn't want to let it go. And she found out what he did. So he said one day, you know, there, it, was, it was in South L.A., okay? That's where I grew up. Pretty rough area. But anyway, uh, he said that one day that uh, some guy came knocking on his door, and he, he kind of knew the guy. He, you know, he wasn't a close friend of him, but he kind of knew the guy, and he answered the door. And the guy stabbed him a number of times, left him, left him in his door, and he's dying there in the front door. And uh, they got him in the hospital. And, uh, you know, he came out okay, but, uh, but all, you know, they stabbed him and all this stuff, and so he's bleeding. But he remembered that guy. He goes, one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that guy. And when I get that guy, I'm going to kill that guy. And what he found out later that it was she, he was sent there by the girl that he had broken up. Say, man, don't, don't mess with women, man. Don't, don't. There ain't nothing like a, like a mad woman, man. Man. So if you guys think about breaking up with that girl, watch out. <clears throat> How do I even get into this story? I'm stuck now. <laughs> Bail me out. <clears throat> oh, we got this on Facebook Live, too. <laughs> Here's what I want to tell you, the power of this story, though. That he had gotten, he had gotten saved in Praise Chapel like me. We, we got saved in Praise Chapel Maywood, the first Praise Chapel ever back in... 1981, 1982, and uh, it, we were in the church, and he said that he got, he got saved. I remember when he came and he got saved, and uh, I remember him because uh, he was older than me, but, man, I seen God change his life. I go, man, that guy got saved. Wow, there is a God. And so, <laughs> you know, but God saved him. I mean, God did a work, and he came to the church. He's only in the church maybe six months, you know. He's still serving God. And he said, he's sitting there one day, and it was a crowd like this, and, and, you know, probably more people. And they sit the guy that has stabbed them years before. Now you're talking, you know, eight years prior. The guy stabbed them or whatever, five years, whatever it was. Now he's married to, he's married to this, what was his girlfriend, married her, everything. And he comes to church. He's saved now, and they sit the guy in front of him. And in his mind, this is what's processing through his mind. I'm going to get up and go use the restroom. And then I'm going to go to the trunk of my car and I'm going to get a screwdriver. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to put that screwdriver in his head. That's what I'm going to do. See how bitterness will get you? And, 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 and he was about to do it. You know, He was about to do it. He's sitting there in church like we are right here. And God began to deal with him. And he began to weep, and he began to cry. And he realized, I have to forgive just like Jesus forgave me. Isn't that powerful? He forgave that guy, 
that day. And today he's the pastor and that guy the pastor and they're good friends today. See, I'm about to weep already because I could see him. I could picture him. And I remember how he looked that day. But I see the power of forgiveness. See the power of forgiveness? God is able to heal anything. I don't even know why I shared that story. Somebody needed to hear that today. Somebody needed to hear that today. In Nehemiah chapter 2. Well, thank you. Wow, I'm getting all kinds of reinforcement here. Thank you very much. Yeah, my voice is going out here. I don't know what's going on here. By time, by time the second service comes, I'm losing my voice. Am I getting older or what's going on here? Anyway, Nehemiah chapter 2. <clears throat> it, said, it says now after all of this has happened, he's prayed, he's talked to God, Nehemiah. And now he's before the king that he's been serving and giving wine to and all of this. And he's prayed. He's asking God for direction. And this is what happened. Nehemiah chapter 2. He said, I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your faith look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And the king said to him, what is it that you want? And look at what he said. Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. Now, what I want to say in this particular verse of scripture is here he is. He's prayed. In fact, if you read the story, he's already prayed for about four months. It's been about a four-month process. And so now, because he, it's been on his heart, Jerusalem, the status, all of this has been on his heart. He's now serving the king, and the king notices that this cupbearer, who's usually pretty cheerful, is not cheerful today, doesn't seem to be happy, and he notices it, and the king says, hey, hey, what's going on with you? He said, you're not ill. This must be sadness of heart. In other words, I see that you have a broken heart. And the king said, what can I do for you? And that moment, the scripture says he prays, and then he answers the king. So what does that mean? That means he did a quick prayer. How many have ever done those little text prayers real quick? Like, God, help me. I need your help real fast. You're driving, go, go, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, I need help real quick. I need your help. You know, we do those quick prayers. You know what I'm talking about. God, God give me the words. Man, the cop put me over. What do I say? What do I say? And you're asking, you're, you know, you need help real quick. And so this is what's going on with Nehemiah. It's a quick prayer. But the issue was, it was he wasn't living his life on quick prayer. Remember, he had deposited four months of prayer that gave him access to do a quick prayer. See, a lot of us this morning, we live our lives on quick prayer. When you have, you should be depositing prayer on your knees every morning. That when you need that quick prayer, it's there. It's almost like he was saying, God, let's catch up from what we were talking this morning and yesterday and the month before, God. We've been in conversation, but God, I need help real quick. See, that's what I'm talking about. We have to live a life of prayer, not just live a quick prayer, not a text prayer. And so this is what happened with Nehemiah. He, answered, he talks to the king, and the king says, what can I do for you? And the Bible says, the king says, man, I'll give you whatever you need. In other words, the king is willing to help him. Why? Because this man has spent time praying and seeking God already. 
We're wondering, God, how come I don't have an answer? God, how come you're not moving? How much time are we spending in prayer? How faithful are we in our prayer before God? And the Bible said the king gives them permission to go back to rebuild the wall. Not only that, he finances it. Now, can you, you know, thank God that Nehemiah, there wasn't social media back then. Because a lot of us, the moment we run into the problem, right away, Facebook. Oh, man, this king, he's no good. Uh, uh, there's all kinds of issues, man, here. He don't want to help me. You know what I'm talking about? Minute, the minute we run into problems, we want to tell the whole world. We want to take, we want to talk to Facebook, but we don't want to seek his face. Am I right? Want to tell Facebook all your problems right away. There you go. And you know who those people are on Facebook. Oh, here she goes again. You know, there she goes. Another problem. There it is. Didn't tell God about it. You're going to tell the whole world about it. And like we know their whole life already. They had a problem yesterday. Yeah, had a problem with your daughter at school with a teacher. You had a problem with that coworker. Uh, today you got a flat tire. Yesterday you got an argument with your neighbor. Uh, your dog bit you the other day. All these other things that are happening in that person's life. You know what I'm talking about. I hope you're not that guy. If you are, we're going to pray for you today. But here, you know, and so, and then let's think about this. This guy was a professional drinker. He could have went on a drinking thing, right? He could have just said, man, I'm just going to drink my life away. But thank God he didn't do that. The Bible says he sought God. He got a hold of God and God told him in that answer to the king, he said, king, if you read the rest of the story, he says, I, the reason why I'm brokenhearted is because my nation or Jerusalem has been broken down. And I want to do something about it. And finally, the king says, go ahead. I'll give you permission. Go. Just tell us what your plan is. And he tells them his plan and he provides for him. Now, I want to just say this to you because many times we feel unqualified. God puts a vision in your heart. God puts a burden. He puts a passion to do something for him. And we think right away, I can't do it. Man, I can't serve God like that. No, I can't go to church like that. No, I, I could never change. You, keep, you, you say more to yourself. The devil don't even have to say anything. You say enough to yourself. Devil said, man, you're doing a good job. Let me know when you need me, man. You know, you're, you, you're, you're already telling yourself a bunch of negative stuff. You can't do it. You're not good enough. Uh, can I tell you, none of us qualify. God qu qualifies the unqualified. <laughs> See, God changes things in our lives if we're willing to seek him first. Can you say amen? If we're willing, willing to put him first. Maybe we find ourselves in, in, a, in a place financially where we say, man, I can't make it financially. You know, I, I'm in debt. And don't raise your hand. All of us have some kind of a debt. And can I just say this to you? We have a financial class coming up on Thursday. I just want to put that up there for you guys. And it's a financial freedom class that we teach her on, on Thursday. There's a cost to it because we're, we're working through Dave Ramsey. Have you ever heard of Dave Ramsey before? Dave Ramsey Financial Freedom Class. And it's going to show you steps of how to get out of debt. We have a, one of our couples that host. We have a lot of people there. I think 36 people there on Thursday. And so you can still join for that. If you just show up here on Thursday. You can join that class. It will help you manage your money. Man, you guys got, see, I confronted something. Everybody's going, no, not me. What are you talking about? You have a financial problem, you got to deal with it. If you don't define it, you can't defeat it, right? 
So if you get, so I just thought I'd throw that in before you guys get all mad at me. So here's the third thing. The third thing. Are you ready? You got to do the work. Turn your neighbor and say, do the work. Do the work. You got to do the work. The Bible says that Nehemiah began to do the work. He began to gather the people to get this wall built. He realized that he was limited. But how many know we serve a God that's unlimited? You can only do so much. But God's unlimited. But let me just say this too. Sometimes we want God to do everything and we don't want to do anything ourselves. We want God to do everything, but we don't want to do anything. You're delivered as much as you're determined to be. I'll just give you an example. If you have a problem with alcohol, God will set you free from alcohol, but you got to stop going where the alcohol is. I mean, you can't go to the bar every day. You can't got to stop going to the liquor store. You got to stop hanging out with that buddy that always has a six pack. See, you got to do your part and then God does his part. Right? So what ha what happens is yeah, I, I got a problem with liquor. But get away from the liquor. Throw it away. Don't hang out with people that drink. You if you do your part, God will do his. It's that simple. But, but we want God to do everything. Well, God, take away the liquor, take away all this stuff, and, and you keep walking over there, you keep going over here. You know what I'm talking about. And it's the same way with any kind of addiction in our lives. Whatever it may be, whatever substance abuse, or, or whatever it may be, it may even be with stuff, you're watching stuff on the internet, inappropriate stuff, and you're wondering, man, I need to get that free while well, you keep going to those sites. Are you with me? I was talking to a guy another, the other day, and he told me, Pastor, I'm having a problem with pornography. So we, we prayed. Then we said, okay, are you willing to put some monitors on your Internet devices and all your devices where if you get on a site, you notify somebody? He said, oh, this is serious. I go, this is serious, buddy. <laughs> serious now. This is serious. See, if you really want to get set free, you got to do your part. Got to do his part. You got to have some accountability. So he said, okay, let's do it. I said, all right. I go, we're going to, this thing will notify anyone as soon as you get on the internet site. Oh, wow. Well, hold on a second here. It's already talking to me already. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on, Siri? Anyway, that was trying to distract me already. Let me just be honest with you, though. All of my devices, my wife has access to. I have no password. She has all my passwords. I told you, you can get on any of my devices anytime you want. I got nothing to hide. I got nothing to hide. I have a tracking thing. I go, you can, you can see where I'm at anytime you want. I got nothing to hide. See, if you can't do that, that means you're trying to hide something, aren't you? Can your wife or husband get on your device and see what's going on? Can he get in your message? Why? What, what's so private about it? What are you hiding? Oh, I'm preaching good. I'm preaching better than you're clapping. See, I'm confronting some things and you don't like it. The issue is we want deliverance. We want to be set free, but we're not willing to do the work in order to get there. See, you got to do the work, and God will do the rest. Can you say amen? amen? And so this is what happened with Nehemiah. He had to do the work. He said, man, I, I got to put it into action. So he began to get all these people together. And here's the fourth thing, because I need to move quickly. He had passion. Say passion. passion. 
Tell someone, you need some passion. When you have passion for something, you're willing to do whatever it needs to be done to get there. See, when I gave my life to Jesus, I had a passion to be in the presence of God. I had a, I had a passion to be in church. I had a passion for the word of God. And there's no one that could stop me. There was no family member there. I, I come from a family of six brothers. I, I told my, my brothers, look it, man, I'm going to be in church. I don't care what you say. You could talk about me. My cousins would talk about me. My friends would say all kinds of stuff. But can I tell you now, they're not mocking me. They're in church today. Many of them are serving God. But see, you, you, you have to be determined. you got to have some passion. And that passion, man, needs to take you further than just words. you got to put some action behind the passion. It's tremendous what God will do when you're passionate and what God, what, what, what God will do when you're passionate and what God can do through your life. Can you say amen? Nehemiah, he got to Jerusalem, and the Bible says he inspected the walls and the extent of the damage there. And this is what he said, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 17. He said, Jerusalem lies in ruins. He gets all the leaders together, the priests that are there. And its gates have been burned with fire. And he said, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. Then Nehemiah said, I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king said to me. And the people said, let's rebuild the wall. So one guy who got passionate about God inspired this whole city. These people that were there, these walls had been in ruins. The infrastructure was destroyed. But one guy gets there, man, and with passion for God, stirs the rest of them. And he said, let's rebuild the wall. And they said, let's do it. He began to tell them the hand of God on his life. And they began to see that. And they said, man, we could do this. And the scripture says that they all got behind them and they began to rebuild the wall. Can I be honest with you? We, this year, my wife and I are celebrating 30 years in ministry. Isn't that awesome this year? Uh, for those of you who don't, we're going to have a 30-year celebration. Uh, is that October 12th? Do I have that? Hey man, I'm good, huh? October 12th. A couple of dates I do remember, my birthday and anniversary. Anyway, yeah. And Christmas, you're going to forget that. But anyway, October 12th is our 30-year anniversary. We're going we're gonna to do a big thing here. We're going to have a tent outside. But here's the thing. The reason why I want to tell you that is because uh, 30 years ago, there wasn't 30 people here. It was a small group of people here. It's probably a handful of people just on my right side. And here we are 30 years later. This is our second service, our, our first service, about three quarters full. This one's pretty full. But that, that's not what I'm excited about. I'm excited to have these folks here. But I'm also excited that we planted churches all over the place, all different cities. We got other congregations, men and women that were here in this church, and they became pastors, and now they're pastoring their own churches and we're all connected. I'm thinking, man, there's more hospitals in different cities because I'm going to know the church is the hospital. The church is the place of restoration. The church is the place of healing. See, that's what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to heal people. It's supposed to see people restored. No matter what walk of life you come from, no matter what tap, you are welcome to this place 
Because I want you to know a God in heaven loves you. He cares about you. He wants to change your life. And I believe this morning the same God that healed us can heal you. How many can say amen? Nehemiah began to tell them about the favor of God on their lives. And I'm going to close with this because I think it's important. Whenever you decide that you're going to do something for God and you're going to rebuild something and you're going to restore something, you can bet there's always going to be opposition. The devil's not going to sit here and just watch you do it. There's going to be opposition the moment you decide to take a step of faith. The moment you decide to serve God, there are others who say, don't do it. In fact, the devil will be there and whisper in your ear, don't do it. Don't do oh, What are you doing? That's a joke. You're going to church? Oh, come on. You're not going to make it. You can't do it. The devil will always tell you that. And the Bible says, I'm going to read you the scripture, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 2. Why don't you put it up there? Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 2, you guys. There it is. All right. Then Sambalat, I don't know, already San. You're, you're, or, yeah, I don't know, that's just a weird name anyway. And Geshem sent to me, saying, come, let us meet together. These are the enemy. They're coming to him at, what is that, handkerchief, whatever it is, in the plain, hankerman, whatever it is, in the plain of, of Ono. Ono, don't go to Ono, right? That's what it says. But they intended to, be, to do me harm. He said he knew already they're intending to do harm to him. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. He said, why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? So he goes, you know what? The enemy is trying to get him to have a meeting in Ono. Don't go to Ono, okay? And he says, why? He goes, I already knew they intended to do me harm. So I said, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. In other words, never come down to the devil's level. Never come down to opposition level. Realize, amen, that you are doing a great work. God's doing a great work in you, and you cannot come down. There will always be an enemy that will whisper in your ear, you're not going to stay clean for a day. You're not going to stay clean for a week. You're not going to do right. You're going to go right back to what you're doing. And that's what the devil does, man. And you need to be able to shake it off. Tell someone, shake it off, man. Shake it off. Say, wait a minute. I, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I, I, I'm doing a great work, and I, I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you. I'm doing a great work for God. I said, I'm doing a great work for God. Because the honest truth is there's always going to be an enemy that mocks you. In fact, if you read the rest of the story, the, the scripture says that the enemy comes and says, well, if a fox climbed on the wall, because they, they got the wall about halfway done, and he said if, the, if a fox climbed on the wall, it would come crumbling down. They were mocking him. And Nehemiah said, know what? You know what? We're not going to listen to those words. Because how many of the words are powerful if you listen to them? You got to listen to the voice of God. You got to listen to truth. And Nehemiah said, We're doing a great work and I cannot come down. And do you know that these walls that were down for 140 years, that nobody had even tried or tried to rebuild them, but they, they had no success, that in 52 days, the wall went up? I said, In 52 days, they completed the work. A cupbearer who had no contracting experience, a cupbearer who had no experience in leadership, somehow with God's hand of grace was able to do that. What can God do through you?
if you surrender your life to him? What can God do through your life? And you may say, I'm nobody. Guess what, man? You're meeting a nobody. That God has made a somebody. Hallelujah. He has. He'll make a somebody out of a nobody. So I'm going to pray. Why don't we bow our heads right now for just a moment. Close our eyes for just a moment. Holy Spirit, we thank you today. We thank you for the word of God. Your word is so precious, God. And I thank you for everybody that's sitting here that came here today. Father, I pray that the word of God has ministered to them. Maybe some things have came out, come out to them. And Lord, you, you just begin to show them some things through the word of God, some truth. Even they've taken some self-evaluation as you're sitting in this building. Maybe you're kind of evaluating some things in your own life. Maybe some walls that have been torn down in your own life that you've allowed the enemy to come in and torment you. You've allowed the enemy to come in and destroy. Maybe there's some values that he's come in to destroy your life. Maybe, maybe he's filled you with bitterness and anger. And you're saying, man, these things are tearing up my life. The walls of my life have been torn down and I don't know how I can, how can I rebuild them? Can I tell you this morning as you're sitting in this building, there's a God in heaven that can restore and rebuild your life. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.